Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. How is everybody doing? What's up, all of you all around the world? Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Folks, we have an exciting show for you today. Okay, so a lot of you listening to the show want to work with animals, right? That's probably why you're listening to the show. Or a lot of you just want to educate people about animals or just learn about animals. And I'll tell you what, you're going to love today's program because on the show today, I have Josh, and he is from Reptile Encounters. It's an educational outreach facility based in Melbourne, Australia. And I actually got the suggestion of Josh, a guest suggestion from a lady named Jessica. Hey, Jess, thank you so much for the guest suggestion. She suggested that I interview Josh for the podcast. I took a look at the website of Reptile Encounters. I was hooked. I thought, you know what? This guy would be really really interesting to talk to because he works with a lot of exciting native Australian wildlife and he works with them hands-on in front of audiences from classroom size to, you know, giant auditoriums full of people. And it kind of struck a chord with me because I have been educating people with animals for, oh my goodness, I'm going to sound so old for almost, I think like 17 years. Crap, I'm going to be 30 soon. Okay, guys, totally feel so old right now. Anyways, back on track, I feel extremely old, and so, you know, I've been educating people for a long time with animals, you know, talking to audiences, and so has my podcast guest today, Josh, and I wanted to talk to him to kind of see the difference, like, what's it like being an animal educator in Australia versus the United States? You know, what's it like working with crocodiles, goannas? hermit crabs. (laughs) You guys, I'm serious. We talk about hermit crabs. We talk about close calls. We talk about embarrassing situations, funny moments during shows when animals just go to the bathroom everywhere explosively. I'm serious. You might not want to eat your cereal or, or eat lunch while listening to this episode, but it's hilarious. I promise you are going to love it. Now, before we get started, if you have not already, please make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave a rating, leave a comment. It means the world to me and it just helps us grow. Also, if you know anybody who loves animals, I mean, I'm sure you do, right? Anyone, anyone who loves animals or anyone who maybe has a long drive or who's trying to kill time, please recommend the podcast Animals to the Max to a friend, a family member. It seriously will help me grow. It's great. Let's get the word out there. All right, everybody, it is time. I hope you enjoy my interview with Josh from Reptile Encounters. This is what I love about the podcast, being able to connect and interview people all around the world. I said, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, one of my staff, Jess, uh, listens to your podcast and she's like, oh, you know, you know, spoke to, to Corbin and, you know, she, she loves the podcast because obviously our staff are out on the road every day. So they spend a lot of time in their cars and, and listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, so, yeah, yeah, great to be able to connect. Yeah, absolutely. And tell me a little bit about yourself because you are the director of Reptile Encounters based in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I started this business when I was in my early 20s. Um, it's actually a little bit of an odd way of coming about because I actually studied medical science uh, at university uh-huh. um, because as, lo- as well as being passionate about animals, I was also passionate about health and fitness. So that sort of led me into the medical science field and then uh, actually became a pharmaceutical sales rep and worked in uh, the pharmaceutical industry uh, for a number of years. Uh-huh. Um, but I sort of always had this passion for animals. So, yeah, back in 2007, I started Reptile Encounters and it was just, yeah, a small little business back then and we'd do a few private events on the weekend and um, after a few years, it started gaining some traction. So, it was about 2009, I quit the the pharmaceutical job and uh, went full-time on Reptile Encounters and, yeah, now we're, I think we're about 12 years in. Um, yeah, and, and really busy and educating around 50,000 uh, school students a year uh, about wow. our native animals. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm really passionate about reconnecting um, people with wildlife because, as you'd know, with you know the advances in technology and um, our busy lives, uh, we're spending less time out in nature and more time in front of screens on technology yeah. um, and keeping busy. Um, and obviously, there's some, some serious implications uh, around that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you know, as you'd be aware, there's many health benefits being around animals and being in nature and being in green spaces. And unfortunately, kids, yeah, are getting less of that, less nature yeah. play, less time, you know, yeah, out on their push bikes, riding around the bush, um, and more time, you know, playing Pokemon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I. <laughs> I'm really passionate about connecting them to animals because, you know, if you don't meet uh, animals up close, you know, you're less likely to be passionate about them and want to protect them and, you know, make sustainable and sustainable choices and all those sorts of things. Wow, that's great. So let's just backtrack. So 2007, and can I ask you, an, just answer this honestly for me, okay? Was it yeah. just so boring working in the pharmacy, like selling, I mean, working for the pharmaceutical company? Was it boring or is that why you just wanted to get out of it? Uh, absolutely not. Yeah, I oh. love my time. Okay, uh, okay. In that, in that job, so um, my I wasn't working in a pharmacy. I was actually um, a, a sales rep, so I was calling on GPs and talking to doctors every day. Oh, okay. And uh, I was working, um, well, selling a drug for cardiovascular disease. Oh, okay. So it's obviously pretty broad scope. Yeah. Uh, lots to cover. Um. So yeah, I really enjoyed that, and I think. It's it's not an easy job to do, so you know, you, you, it requires a lot of skills and personality uh, to be able to get in the door and get in front of these people. And there were a lot of skills that I learnt doing that that now overlay into my job now, running reptile encounters. So yeah, you know, presentation That's... skills and being confident in front of an audience and all those sorts of things, mm-hmm. um, and then managing a team and you know managing a business. That all now applies with what I do today. So uh, it was actually, yeah, pretty good base okay. for me yeah. to start out with. I'm sorry. Yeah. I guess it, I just envisioned you behind the counter, like just, you know what I mean? <laughs> Selling like, pills. Oh, my God. I see those people. They look so miserable. And it's like, cheer up. Life's okay. Like, eat a lollipop. Anyway. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So did you have any animals prior to starting Reptile Encounters? Because you started in 2007. Did you just start with what you had uh, or was it a blank slate? Yeah, yeah. So probably when I started the business, I probably already had a collection of 20-odd reptiles, Um, yeah, from turtles, lizards, snakes, uh, that type of thing. So I probably only needed to add a few animals before I had enough animals to go out and do a show. Um, And originally, we started our initial show. We called our Australian Reptile Show, uh, and that included some huge spiny leaf stick insects and green tree frogs, freshwater turtles, you know, a shingleback lizard, which is like a two-headed uh, lizard, uh, a bigger goanna lizard, a couple of pythons, and one of those would be a, a huge monster, three-meter olive python, mm-hmm. and then we finished the show off with a crocodile. So that's what I had originally. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, yeah. And then over the years, we've grown out, and we've co- probably got around 300 animals now. 300? Oh my, oh my gosh, that's so much. I mean, so do you keep them in like a special uh, facility? Take me through, you know, where you're keeping 300 animals. I have like 30 animals and I think that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, as you'd be aware, finding a property to keep animals is very, very hard, particularly when you have animals that some are better suited indoors, some are better suited outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a, a commercial property. Um, you know, it's about a, a Big, big warehouse, about 400 square meters uh, with lots of natural light coming in. It was actually, before we took it over, it was used as a, a gym. Oh, so okay. it's all AstroTurf on the inside and, you know, um, lots of windows across the top. So heaps of natural light coming in, which the, the reptiles love. Mm-hmm. And then we've also got a, a nice big backyard as well for all our birds and mammals uh, that we keep outside. Oh, that's uh, great. And then... In Melbourne, we get maybe two months of the year where we can also get our reptiles outside so they get some sunshine and UV as well. Nice. Oh, that's great. Did you know, Josh, and I actually started out, I mean, well, I, I still do, you know, reptile shows and appearances. I've moved, you know, a lot more on yeah. TV, but I started doing shows when I was uh, 12 years old. Okay. Isn't that yeah, crazy? Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that's brilliant because that's what we want. We want kids passionate and educating other kids about nature and animals. So, you know, I think that's awesome. Yeah. But the issue was at that time, I wasn't making any money when I was 12. Dude, I would <laughs> call people and be like, can I please come show you my animals? And they're like, who's this? <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember when I was I was 12, I got my first uh, on-license uh, reptile, which was a central bearded dragon. Okay. Uh, very popular in the States. Um, and I used to go to the pet store and I could buy 20 crickets. 
Oh, my he, God. <laughs> so, he'd, yeah, charge 10 cents a cricket or whatever, and I'd, I'd go and buy my 20 crickets uh, to, to feed my bearded dragon. So, Oh, that's yeah. so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the first birthday I ever charged, because I used to do birthdays too with the animals, I think I okay. charged yep. like $10. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was so rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, it's a, it's a bit more exciting than selling lemonade. <laughs> oh, I think so. I tried that. That never worked. I just didn't have the face for it. So let's talk a little bit about the animals you work with because I, first of all, I love your website. I went on and I looked at some of the animals' names. I love the names, okay? You ready for this? Okay, so let's yeah, talk. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Cheryl. Who's Cheryl? Uh, Cheryl? Oh, Cheryl's one of the spiny leaf stick insects. So <laughs> there's Cheryl and Pauline. Uh, these insects are amazing. Uh, they're parthenogenic, which means they reproduce on their own without a male. Um, yeah, the females outlive the, the males. Uh, okay. They live for about two years. The boys only live for six months. Oh. Uh, and they're just uh, amazing uh, animals. Their camouflage is, is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, kids love them. How big is Cheryl? Oh, she'd be probably about 10 centimeters long. Really? Okay. I think I need to add yep. a Cheryl to my show. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of hard to come by, I feel like, here in the States. I feel like I need to special order them or something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure um, yeah. Yeah. what stick insects you have over there. But, yeah, we've got quite a few different uh, types of phasmid insects. So mm-hmm. phasmid are animals that are ghost-like, uh, disguise themselves. Um, yeah. I like those big, and, I like the thorny walking sticks. Have you seen those, the Australian ones, the giant ones, or the, you know what I mean, that fit in your hand? Oh, those are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we have spiny leaf, we have goliath. Okay. Um, I think the largest in Australia is called the titan stick insect. Ooh. So, yeah, there's some pretty, pretty awesome ones. They get up to about 30 centimeters long. Oh, you're getting me so excited. You know what I just ordered in the mail? I got Madagascar hissing cockroaches. Oh, Cool. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, I've seen <laughs> They're a complete dud at the shows. I'm like, really? check. Yes, they don't. Kids are like, what's ill? People are grossed out. Usually that's good for shows. But anyway, and the problem is now they've reproduced. So I have like a, over 100 Madagascar hissing cockroaches just hanging out in the yeah, animal yeah. house. My wife's so happy. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we have, um, we call them giant litter bugs. Mm-hmm. Um our giant cockroaches and they're they're pretty cool and kids kids like them and yeah. um yeah they're pretty interesting looking oh my goodness okay so now let's talk about Tammy who's Tammy 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 is a woma python <laughs> I love the name so I have a woma python named Sydney so I was like oh Tammy okay. I love that Tammy, Tammy. yeah tell yeah, us yeah. tell so, us about the woma yeah. python oh so oh, I've actually bought Tammy off a guy a few years ago who's actually our reptile vet. Okay. Um, so yeah, just we needed an extra extra woma python, and she's just um, probably the foodiest snake we've got. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, always wants to eat, nice and nice and chunky, but uh, looks really great. So yeah, I actually used her a couple of days ago uh, at a university in Melbourne um, for their orientation week. So oh. they thought she was amazing. I think they're so good for hands-on interactions. I really do. Yeah, 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 and, and quite interesting given they they feed on other reptiles in the wild. They they lack the heat sensing pits of other uh, pythons, so there's there's a lot to talk about. That's quite interesting. Really interesting. And have you ever? I mean, because they're quite rare in Australia, right? I mean, they're. I mean, have you ever seen one in the wild? No, I haven't. Um, yeah, I haven't haven't done enough uh, searching out in Central Australia, uh-huh. um, but I think. Numbers-wise, they've declined by about two-thirds in the wild. Oh, my God. Um, so there has been a, a big decline. And being a scaly reptile, there's not a lot of research into why that's happened. Uh-huh. Um, but we could probably suggest it's due to introduced cats, uh, a big problem here. Uh, we've got roughly 25 million cats in the country. 25 uh, million? Million. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, it's guesstimated that every single night 75 million native animals get eaten by cats and that's everything from insects reptiles birds um amphibians um yeah so we're losing losing wildlife at a rate of knots wow do they put any measures like like uh animal control measures in trying to reduce the you know the the cat feral cat population 
Yeah, that, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of uh, culling going on. I, th- I can't remember what the goal is. Mm-hmm. Um, might have been to cull, I think, 4 million cats over the next few years. Okay. Um, but obviously, <laughs> that's going to scratch the surface of the problem. Yeah, no, um, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it, it's a really tricky one. And, you know, what we do we're in, the, in the classroom, because domestic cats also are an issue as well as the ones that are out in the wild. So it's educating people about, you know, responsible pet ownership and if you have a cat, you know, that's fine. We're not anti-cats, just keep them indoors mm-hmm. um, at night time because obviously it helps to protect the wildlife but it's also safer for the cat, okay. Your cat won't get run over by a car if it's inside. Mm. It's not going to get into a punch-on with the next-door neighbour's cat either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, yeah, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. What are, I mean, just regarding like Wuma pythons and snakes in general, what is like, I mean, are people like, for instance, I live out here in the country in Idaho in the States and a lot of people out here, they hate snakes. They kill them on sites, chop their heads off because they think they're dangerous, venomous, you know, you know, animals are going to come in my house or chase me. Is that how it is in Australia or have you guys evolved to where you're starting to understand how beneficial they are? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think uh, the older generations are still of that view. Uh, particularly if you get in anyone in rural areas that have grown up on a farm and they've learned that all snakes are dangerous and good snakes are dead snake, that kind of mentality. I think now that most younger uh, people nowadays have seen one of our shows, so they've met these animals up close, had a, had a different experience with them, and maybe they now see them as cool as opposed to something that I should be really scared of. So um, I think that's why it's really important, the work that we do, uh, introducing people to animals uh, so they dif- see a different side. Yeah. And also, you know, to rationalise in Australia, we're pretty fortunate we have antivenoms in all our hospitals. Uh, roughly two people a year die from snake bite. So your chances are extremely low. Um, you know, you compare that, more people die from horses, cows, yeah. <laughs> coconuts. You know, coconuts. Oh, that's cra- a good one. Yeah, coconuts. Oh. <laughs> yeah, all these crazy things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, putting it into perspective for people uh, often, you know, gives yeah. them that bit of sort of a wow i didn't realize that was the, the case yeah and you said you you educate fifty thousand school children is that what you said yeah yeah exactly wow, yeah that's so many kids a year that's great i mean just changing it you know just kids that's awesome because that's the future that's our future generation yeah absolutely so yeah that's all the way from preschool uh right through primary and secondary uh, as well. So we have a number of programs and our programs tie in with the curriculum in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we bring in the, the animals and we might be talking one day about classification. Another day we're talking about threatened and endangered species and human impacts. Mm-hmm. Um, another day we might be talking about habitats. So there's yeah lots of different things that we discuss mm-hmm. uh, as part of our programs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, what is your, now be honest here. Are you ready? <laughs> what yeah. is your, what is your favorite age group? Favorite age group? Oh, that's that's a tricky one. I mean, um, when I started the business, we did a, a lot of kids' birthday parties. Mm-hmm. And the fun thing about kids' birthday parties is you have a broad range of age groups. So you've got the kids right through to grandma. Uh, and I really love that because, you know, it's challenging because you've got to provide content for the kids, but you've got to keep the adults also entertained. So I love it when you've got that kind of mix and eclectic and everybody – sort of gets it Uh um that's when i'm having a really good time and you know the adults are are laughing at your your silly jokes and the the kids are you know having a great time as well so yeah i don't think there's any particular age but yeah i like it when you've got a bit of a mix of ages and um everybody's bouncing off each other and the parents are laughing at you know little seb on the ground who's you know just flown backwards you know that sort of thing Mm -hmm. um yeah so I don't think there's a, a specific age. Yeah, I like mixed groups too. I love trying to entertain the the adults as well. I would say my show yeah. is just as great for the adults as as for the kids. <laughs> no, I, I, absolutely, and I think that's the challenge when you you know you're entertaining everybody, not just the kids, mm-hmm. is when you're you're really nailing it. Can I tell you a really fun audience that I did? I yeah. did what I do. I do a college show. I used to do it every year and it was at 10 o'clock at night at the student union building in the middle of the week. It was such yeah. a fun crowd. I mean, I'll tell you what, if you tell, I had such a good time. Yeah. Anyway, you, yeah. Should, you should try it out. Late night shows with the adult groups. Yeah. The, they loved it. 
Well, the animals behave interestingly at nighttime as well. Oh, like a course. lot of our animals are nocturnal, so yeah. they're completely <laughs> they're like they're wired because they're ready to come out and uh, have fun. So yeah, it's, I've done a few things at nighttime, not too often, but yeah, um, yeah, I can understand. <laughs> it's one treat. Okay, so let's get back to the animals really quick. Let's talk about Matthew. I love this name, Matthew. Who's Matthew? Who's Matthew? Good question. I'm not sure who Matthew is. <laughs> well, I've got a cousin in the Air Force who's Matthew, but... <laughs> well, just, I looked at the website. Okay, Matthew is the scorpion. Oh, scorpion. Oh, okay, yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because he's a Flinders Rangers scorpion, so Matthew Flinders, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, That's... yeah, so, yeah, we've got quite a few invertebrates, including scorpions, um, and we do a, a mini-beast program, so animals without a backbone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty popular for maybe around the, the six to seven year old, mm-hmm. uh, age group. Mm-hmm. Um, and we bring out the, the spiny leaf stick insects and, uh, giant cockroaches and scorpions and tarantulas and yeah. centipedes and millipedes and yeah, all, all the creepy crawlies, yeah. um, which, which the kids love. You you ever get stung or a little clamped on by Matthew <laughs> or any of the other inverts? No. Well, <laughs> luckily not. Um, the, the, the one mini beast that I have been nailed by a few times in shows is the uh, hermit crabs. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be doing a hermit crab and, yeah, all of a sudden he's holding on to the palm oh. of your hand Josh, and they don't, they don't come off for half an hour. Josh, we have to talk really quick. A hermit crab? How exciting is a hermit crab? What do you do? How do you... <laughs> There's a joke in my show. I'm like, everyone ready for the grand finale? You know, and then I, you know, okay, let's get up for the hermit crabs. And people are like, what? No, so yeah. how do you... How do you... <laughs> do they come out? Or do you just show the shell? Or how is this... I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we get some quite large sort of tennis ball-sized hermit crabs. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah, they're quite outgoing, so... Um, and yeah, quite happy to grab a hold of you as well. So <laughs> make, makes it interesting when you're trying to display them and they're trying to reach around and grab your hands and, oh my um, gosh. You're, you're trying to keep it safe and, uh, make out that nothing's going wrong when there's one holding onto your hand. Oh, I'm sure it, uh, it gives you a nice little pinch, right? Oh, absolutely. And no, nothing you do gets it off. Um, <laughs> so what do you do? Just keep it on for the remainder of the show? And are the kids just laughing? Yeah, you're just sort of hiding it in your hand while it's holding us. <laughs> Have you ever, like, accidentally cursed during a show? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> it's funny. I, Do you, was, yeah. there, was there a particular time where you're just like, oh, struck? <laughs> like... No, I think that the last podcast I was interviewed on, I was getting so enthusiastic, I dropped an F-bob uh, <laughs> mid-podcast. <laughs> um, I'm usually pretty good when I'm in front of kids. Yeah. I'm pretty controlled. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Okay. So then, okay, we went over Tara the Tarantula. I love the name Tara. That's just awesome, dude. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just love it. Okay. Let's get on to some really cool ones, though. I mean, not that those aren't cool, but I love that you actually have Crocs. So you have Charlie. Yeah, Big Charlie, and we've got Big Charlie and Little Charlie. So Big Charlie was my first ever saltwater crocodile um, that I actually brought down from the Northern Territory. Okay. So in Melbourne, we don't have crocodiles. It's too cold down here. Uh-huh. So uh, I imported him from a crocodile farm in the Northern Territory called oh. Crocodilus Park. Okay. Um, and at the time, he was probably about 30 centimetres long. Mm-hmm. He's now two metres. Okay. Um, so he's a little bit too big to, to take out to schools, but... Um, yeah, I've had him for 13 years now, so he's not going anywhere. Wow. And he's actually, it's quite interesting. So we've got big Charlie at two meters. We've got Max, who's probably a little bit bigger than him. Uh And Max is already 1.8 meters when I got him. So he hadn't been handled a lot like Charlie and their personalities are like polar opposite. Um, you know, Charlie's very, very used to people and he, you know, jumps out of his enclosure occasionally and, you know, you feel okay. Whereas Max, you just feel like you'd be ready to rip your leg off at any given moment. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. So, and Charlie, so two meters, so he's, he's a little over six feet. Is that right? Am I doing my conversion yeah, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I just made my math teacher proud or my old one anyway. <laughs> so, and I'd guess I'd say he's around 30, 40 kilo. Okay. 
Okay. So that's crazy. I used to have, I, I have two American alligators, Sonny yeah, yeah. and Chompers and Sonny's around 10 and a half feet and he weighs well over 300 pounds. And yeah, yeah. he used to be great for shows, but now you can't, he's, he's retired. He's just fat and happy. And Chompers, my female, she's a little over six and a half feet. So she's too big now to go to shows too. And she's just mean. Yeah, I've got one of my staff who is in love with gators and is always tugging on my arm, Josh, can we get a gator? Can we get a gator? And there's a little bit more paperwork for us to get gators because they're not native to Australia. So potentially we could. There are some um, zoos here that have them. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh, it'd be really interesting actually because you know their personalities are, are quite different uh, to crocodiles. So yeah, I'd be curious one day to, to actually work with gators and you know, if you had to scratch one on the back and oh. not have your arm stuff. Yeah, they're like puppy dogs. I mean, and, it, and, and it's so funny because it's opposite for us. It would be really hard for me to get a saltwater croc. And to be honest, I don't yeah. think I'd want one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the, the fact that they're life-threatening, you know, that's what makes it exciting and fun. And <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, it's part of the thrill, I guess, yeah. of working with these animals. Yeah, that's crazy. So it, so it is a little bit more difficult to get an American alligator. I just could imagine. It's so easy to get them here in the States. You could go online and order one and have one delivered to you tomorrow. It's just crazy how you know accessible they are. Yeah. So, I, well, I guess in Australia, we're really, um, we're probably fairly conservative. And I guess our wildlife departments are just really concerned with exotic species um, becoming invasive species uh-huh. here. So escaping captivity and yeah being being a problem so um that's why they're they're really strict and controlled Uh uh-huh so if they didn't have all of those you know restrictions do you have like a dream animal you could use part of your program oh look you know i'd love yeah gators would be amazing chameleons i think are awesome oh you can't Uh, you can't have chameleons we can't have chameleons we can't have iguanas oh um yeah so i mean we do have a plethora of reptiles here that are amazing as well so we're not we're pretty spoiled as it is but um yeah those are the sorts of animals um that would be pretty cool to work with wow what about burmese pythons are those pretty accessible to you or no 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 they're not native um they are in the zoos so Yeah. yeah it's another animal that we could potentially look to get um yeah, if we went through the the right channels and bit of paperwork. Yeah, that's crazy. They just put a, a kibosh on transporting them across state lines in the states in 2012 because they're invasive to Florida, yep. as you know. So yep. now there, <laughs> there's a lot of Burmese pythons loose. So yeah, they're pretty. You know, yeah, I think I think in you know 10, 20 years you probably won't see any more in you know people having them as pets anymore just because they put a kibosh. Okay. Yeah. 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 Amazing big huge snake oh they're great dude would would be awesome yeah Yeah. they're awesome okay let's talk about oh this is funny marty the water monitor this is interesting marty marty yeah yeah so he's a a merton's water monitor Uh uh-huh uh and he's crazy so he's really really foodie so we've got quite a few monitors and in australia we call them goannas it's a Mm -hmm. bit of an australian australian slang um and yeah, this particular water monitor just wants to eat all the time. I don't know what happened in his previous lifetime, whether he was <laughs> underfed, but there's, yeah, from the day he's arrived, he's probably tripled in size in 12 months. Um, and yeah, loves eating. Amazing colours. So uh, water monitors are native to the top end of Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so Western Australia, the Northern Territory and Queensland um, live around mangroves and creeks and river systems. Um, yeah, and in the wild, they'd feed on little crustaceans and fish and insects and uh, small mammals mm-hmm. as well. Um, but awesome lizard. Uh, unfortunately, Marty's not awesome for shows because he just doesn't stop moving. You grab the tail and just like, <laughs> yeah, it takes off. <laughs> what is your, yeah, I was just going to ask. So, what is your like go to animal for shows minus the hermit crabs, Josh? Hermit crabs? Yeah, yeah they're a beauty. Uh, go to animal. That's a that's a tricky one. Um, like one that never lets you down. Never lets me down. Oh, 
I guess, you know, we we have a, uh, like you might use the berm, we have big uh, olive pythons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got 10 olive pythons that are between three and four metres. Oh, wow. um, so they're obviously a huge crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and the crocodiles, I think, are just, they never let you down. Yeah. Um, but one animal of late that's been getting everybody's attention, his name is Connor, and he is a barking owl. Oh, and the reason oh a barking a, owl. Okay, sorry. Barking owl, yeah. Okay. And so obviously they hear him before they see him. So they're getting all these pictures in their head of what the hell is this animal that's barking yeah. in a box. And then you pull out a bird and they're like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's amazing. And also because when, he, when, when he's out sitting on your glove and he's barking away, it just gets everybody's attention. So occasionally on a weekend we'll go and display it at a bunning store and you'll have everybody in the bunning store craning around to see what the hell is this thing barking. Oh, my gosh. Uh, your glove. So, yeah, he's pretty awesome. That's great. That's great. Okay. What has been your most embarrassing moment during the show? And I will tell you mine after I hear yours. Or, I mean, I guess Shit. vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I mean, yeah, having animals go to the toilet on you is pretty commonplace. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, uh, I distinctly remember a lace monitor, so quite a big uh, goanna lizard uh-huh. projectile shot just all over me. <laughs> um, so it's great when you know it's coming because you can kind of direct it somewhere else, you know, maybe in a box or away from you. But this, yeah, one time I was doing a stage show, it just nailed me, it's just whole body drenched. And because monitors are, are carnivores, yeah, it doesn't smell real pretty. So. That one sticks out in my mind. Um, But there's been other instances, you know, where snakes like to go down your sleeve and through your shirt and, yeah, it gets a little bit awkward and all the the jokes start coming out, um, as you'd know. Um, So I had a few of those moments as well. I had a boa constrictor. And I start, and I thought, oh, this would be great to start out during, like, you know, you know, to do this intimate show, right? And I had her start out with me. Her name was Lexi, and for some reason, she yeah. must have not been feeling well. And I just, like, you know, had her around my neck, this and that, and she just had explosive diarrhea. And they usually don't have <laughs> diarrhea, so I know she was super sick, and it just like came out like, <sighs> like, and I remember it was all over the carpet. I mean, this is the start of the show, and it was like. I, <laughs> Oh, it was awful, man. Oh, I could still smell yeah, it to yeah. this day. Well, I did. I remember a little schoolgirl many years ago asking me, you know, I had one of the olive pythons out, you know, where does it go to the toilet? And I was pointing at his cloaca uh-huh. as he went to the toilet right in her dress and it just filled her lap. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she had to go to the uniform shop and get a new uniform. Oh, no. What do you do? Are you like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'll give you a free birthday. Like, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Well, it's just, you know, they're animals. Animals do these things. I know, but um, she's a little girl. Did, did she cry or was she like? I think she she took it really well. <laughs> As a presenter, you know, it's probably your nightmare with something going to the toilet everywhere. But it's the thing that the kids remember forever and ever and ever. They love that moment that, you know. The the goanna shut everywhere, or <laughs> yeah, the I'll snake see. sprayed the room. Yeah, that's what they remember. Oh, they do, and it's funny because I do, and I'll get like I'll get thank you notes from kids and stuff like that. Here, I have a I have a stack of them. I just got like right here, and I'll tell you what, I'll look at each and every one of them, and it'd be like several of them will say, "Oh, you know, when Tinkerbell, my ninety pound tortoise, crapped all over my leg, was the highlight of their school year." <laughs> I'm serious. I yeah. it's just so yep. funny. Oh my god. Yeah, people love when things go to the bathroom. Same with TV. When something poops on TV, yep. it's gold. Yeah, yeah. And when you say, you know, which animals behave best, well, it's not necessarily the ones that behave the best, but <laughs> the ones that are the most interesting, you know. Particularly on TV, you don't want it to behave. You want it to do something not quite right. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, that's, yeah, more entertaining. Well, okay, I'll tell you my most embarrassing moment ever. It happened to me a couple of years ago. And here in the States, we have these, it's called STEM, so Science, Technology, Engineering, Mathematics programs. Do you guys have those in Australia? Yeah, we've got, got the same thing. Yep. Oh, great. Okay, yeah, so worldwide. Yeah, and I was doing a show in front of, like, back-to-back shows in front of a giant school assembly. It was, like, full of, like, kindergartners and first graders. And I had my iguana out, and I was so excited. I was talking, and I knelt down, you know, during part of the show, and my whole entire crotch, like, my leg completely <laughs> split open everything yeah. 
Like, I'm talking <laughs> everything. You could see, thank God, I mean, I was going to say, thank God I have underwear. I always wear underwear, but I'm telling you what it was like the most. The kids started dying laughing. <laughs> we had the first time ever I had to stop the show. The teachers had to run back and they're like, what are we going to do? They gave me like paper clips, like to put the paper clips. And we tried that and it was only worse. It just split open again, dude. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. And hugely inappropriate. <laughs> it was so, so inappropriate. Oh my God. I almost wish someone got it on a video though. That would have been so funny though. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. Okay. No, so that, absolutely. That's the funniest moment. Okay. So you and I have both done birthday parties uh, here we go. Uh, what was one of your worst birthday parties? Worst birthday parties. Oh, I've I've done some birthday parties where you're in a room. I think I specifically remember one. I think it was um, I was in Caulfield, so not far from here, uh-huh. and the room was chock a block full. There would have been a hundred people at least in this room. Uh, I knew there was going to be a lot of people, so I'd I'd brought a microphone. Uh huh. And had the kids sitting in front of me, and even with the microphone on, could not hear myself think. Oh. Like it was just that loud, and yeah, just one of those shows is a complete nightmare. Kids can't hear what you're saying, so very hard to keep them engaged when they can't hear what you're saying. Um, so then it just becomes a you know have a part of this, have a part of that, and oh. not much fun. Not much fun for anyone. Oh man. That's crazy. Yeah, I've <clears throat> I don't do birthdays anymore, but uh I had one. Dude, I'm sorry. I'm like reminiscing with you, but I had yeah. one. I had these I had this brilliant idea when I was 15. I would extend my birthday parties to 2 hours. <laughs> they were <laughs> crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. They were called the deluxe critter parties. And on top <laughs> of that, I handed out to all the schools these $25 off coupons, right? Well, yeah. I didn't think it through because my deluxe critter parties at the time were only $25 more than the hour critter parties. (laughs) Long story short, I show up to this lady's house and she locks me in the garage with 36 six-year-olds with the animals. All the adults are just having cocktails in the house. They lock me in for two hours. It was awful. The kids were running around. They were screaming. I couldn't control them. It was like I getting... Ugh, I'm mad just thinking about it. I she went to go pay, and I was like, "Oh, at least you know I got a deluxe party." And she pulls out like that twenty five dollar off coupon. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. I was so mad. <laughs> Two hours. Yeah. I was so yeah. mad. I was so <laughs> mad, dude. And you know what makes the story even better? This is when I was fifteen. I ran into her a few months ago at a restaurant, and she came up to me completely drunk why her teeth were completely like grape colored from the wine and she was like do you remember me like i tell people like i helped you with your career and oh my god i'm so happy i wasn't drunk i didn't say anything like i was like biting my like i was like oh like yes i remember you You Uh, amazing (laughs) yeah I don't miss those. <laughs> no, no, no. But by and large, we're pretty lucky. Most, most yes. parties aren't that crazy and yep. you get you know, maybe 15 people and they have an amazing time and it's really positive and, yeah, you, you, know, you can be heard and, you know, get the jokes in and everybody has a great time and, yeah, um, yeah but some occasionally it's just – Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I just thought it would be funny for the podcast. I'm talking about all the negative yeah. ones, but it's like you'll have 100 great shows and then remember that one that was just like <laughs> – Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so really cool about your shows I read online is that you plant a tree for every show you do. That is awesome. Talk more about that. Yeah, so I've been a, a part of a group um, – uh, of entrepreneurs and um, one of the things that they're all passionate about doing is giving back. Um, so probably at the start of the year, I think it was, I signed up to uh, a program called B1G1, which is buy one, give one back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea is that you attach a giving onto every transaction or every offering that you do. So at the start of the year when we were working out what would we do, well, we decided, you know, you know, tying a tree to every program that we did was something that everybody could get a grasp of and understand the importance of doing that. Um, yeah, so uh, that was the particular 
project that, that we decided to, to go with. So we plant trees uh, here in Australia in the Daintree Rainforest, which is uh, heritage listed up in Queensland. Uh, it's a critically important ecosystem um, alongside the Great Barrier Reef. Um, so we plant trees there. Um, and then we also, uh, there's a project in India, so we also plant some trees there as well. So, um, yeah, that's what we're doing at the moment. Um, yeah, who knows, next year it might be a different project that we tr- decide uh, to try and get on board with. So, yeah, it's just connecting, giving with um, what we do. And it aligns, I guess, with our purpose and our why and our mission. Dude, that's great. You're going to have like a little mini forest from all the shows you do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and, you know, it's great for us and for the team and everybody buys into what we do. So, you know, when you, I guess one of the challenges in business is having a good culture and having people that are on board with what you do. Mm -hmm. And I think adding this element uh, really adds to that and the guys are really passionate about it. That's great. That's great. And regarding your team and having a good company culture, you have several people who work for Reptile Encounters. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, so teams up to about a dozen. Wow. Um, and then we're also really, really fortunate, I guess, because we have amazing animals and we have an amazing workplace. We get a lot of university students, so guys that are studying zoology or um, one of the universities here does animal veterinary bioscience, so we get mm-hmm. a lot of uh, guys out of that degree, um, and they come and, yeah, they do one or two days a week uh, volunteer work. Um, because obviously at university you get minimal hands-on time or close-up experience with animals. Um, So, yeah, they come and volunteer with us and um, some of them that um, have the right characteristics, you know, stay on and become wildlife ambassadors and we Mm. send them out to schools and um, others go on and get jobs. You know, one of our guys is a tiger keeper at Australia Zoo. Oh, wow. Another one's one's at Auckland Zoo. A couple have gone to Central Australia and work at – the um, desert park in central Australia. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've got guys in zoos mm-hmm. uh, all around the country as well. So mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty good and, you know, um, it's really satisfying for me that, you know, we're being able to facilitate um, that pathway for, for a lot of those guys. That's great. Giving to all those people that, you know, that opportunity is amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, what we do, it's pretty unique where um, – all our guys are pretty good communicators and, you know, we have a strong focus on education. So uh-huh. it is a really good grounding uh, for stepping into the industry. Is it, is it a pretty rigorous process when you hire someone? Because I'm sure you get a lot of people who want to work for you, right? Like people love, you know, want to work with animals. Do you have a lot of people apply and is it like a rigorous process to get hired onto the team? Uh, look, it is. Um, I guess I'm really fortunate in that. Over that 12 years, I think I've only had to advertise for staff maybe twice. Oh, my. That's great. So because we have this constant influx of people and volunteers, so often I like to reward our volunteers. So I'd rather hire from within rather than go external. Uh-huh. Um, so that's great. You know, if someone's been volunteering for eight months or eight months or 18 months, um, you know, you get to see how they work. You get to see if they fit into the team. You get to see their personality. And then, yeah, it makes it easier to onboard someone who's already, you know, familiar with your processes and familiar with the animals and got some experience. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, where do you see Reptile Encounters going in like 10 years? Where do you see you? See yourself, your business? Yeah, definitely continuing what we're doing, but obviously hopefully at an even larger scale. Uh Um, So I want to scale up the size of our facility but i also want to scale uh by doing more digital um getting on tv like yourself oh, uh, doing more work uh yeah so obviously fifty thousand students is great that you know we can uh, work with each year but you know i'd like to grow that and so obviously digital is the way to to really scale that up yeah, TV is a different animal, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Have you done a lot of TV? Uh, we do little bits and pieces, but yeah, haven't at this stage, haven't done a, a great deal. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, we'll get a, a few calls a year from production companies wanting to do certain things. And um, yeah, so I've been a, been a part of that. 
being from Australia, like every show, do you do you hear Steve Irwin's name, the Crocodile Hunter, or do you? I mean, is he referenced all the time when you do these shows? Oh, probably not a great deal anymore. Really? Um, okay. No. Yeah, I mean, every now and again, but we did have a we had a photographer from our local. Uh, one of our local papers out last week mm-hmm. and so we're in the Herald Sun on, on Sunday mm-hmm. and the first thing it says is crikey da, da, da. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> what, like... it still was. so you know it is still still around yeah that's so crazy I get asked about him all the time and I've worked with people who've worked with Steve and they loved him have you been to the Australia Zoo yeah I love it the Australia Zoo yeah so probably I don't know over the years maybe been three or four times oh nice um, but being a lover of crocodiles, I just love the crocosome, the design behind it and how all that works and how there's all the crocodile ponds out the outside and they all flow into the crocosome. And so um, cool. yeah, I reckon that would be the, the best place ever to do a wildlife show. Wow. And how far away is the drive? How far is Melbourne to Brisbane? Oh, drive. It would probably take you t- no, 17, 18 hours. 18 um, hours? Yeah. Where are no, we? Hold on, just... let me look at my map. Hold on one second here. Because we're right... So, oh, oh, yeah, you're south. I'm Hello. There. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm down there. So. And they're up here. Yeah. No, yeah, you'd fly to Brisbane and, and drive from Brisbane. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, so... But I've got I've got family up on the Sunshine Coast, so every now and then, now and again, I get up there and, yeah, go and check out the park. So I nice. think I was there last year, last oh. time, so... Oh, I would love yeah, to check I, it out. I, yeah, it's... it's definitely worthwhile um so yeah that crocosome is is awesome and they get the birds of prey flying in from outside and uh they get the parrots whizzing around it's like it's like a football stadium but for wildlife yeah um yeah so that's pretty amazing that's awesome man i would love to come visit melbourne say hi to you maybe do a kid's birthday party hold a hermit crab Oh, mate, any time. You're more than welcome. Come down and, yeah, we'll have you and we'll, we'll put you to work. <laughs> Please do. After this interview, I have to go and clean up tortoise poop. And, you know, it's just a day in the life of working with animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm in the middle of a project. I'm building eight eight new enclosures at the moment. So I started yesterday. Oh. Um, so hopefully wrap them up by the end of the weekend. What are you building? What are we building? Um... A range of various uh, different enclosures. Two of them are are frill neck lizard enclosures, so they're quite tall, arboreal-style cages. Uh, And then the others are for uh, some of our larger pythons. Okay. Um, Yeah, so just, yeah. Big big boxes. Um, Yeah, so on the the tools at the moment. Nice, Um, dude. We are building a brand-new alligator enclosure. It's huge, man. Okay. It's I. Go ahead. I'd love to hear more about that, actually, because um, that's probably my last big project that I have to do at our current place uh, is, a, is a big uh, double crocodile enclosure. So um, interested in how you heat it and how you waterproof it. And Well, uh, my first my first advice would be to save up money. <laughs> <laughs> get a piggy bank or get a million Absolutely. of them. Uh, no, we had to be really resourceful just because like we run a nonprofit organization. I mean, I'm not making millions of dollars. I mean, ideally I would love like a beautiful zoo enclosure with like, you know, underwater viewing and a cascading waterfall. And that's like, <laughs> that's down the line. But uh, no, we actually lucked out. The pool itself is 38 feet long by 12 feet wide and 10 feet deep. So it's really big and we're building a greenhouse structure around it. And okay. So, yeah. And so we actually, it, it's a recycle. It's an old water tower from one of our towns in Idaho. God, I'm sounding yep. so, I'm sounding so country right now. Um, it's an old water tower. It used to, you know, water, you know, water the town of whatever, 20 or 30 people. They literally, they cut it in half and we put it in the ground and it serves as a beautiful pool. It's made of fiberglass, which is fantastic. And um, you don't have to worry about leaks and stuff like that. So we really worked out, you know, that really helped us out. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how creative you have to become because, you know, when your crocodile is the size of the largest prefab pond that gets sold in your your garden store, well, Mm -hmm. you kind of run out of options. So. Um, yeah, that's, it sounds awesome. I'm always looking at water tanks and, yeah. um, how, how can we cut them in half and turn them into crocodile <laughs> pond? 
<laughs> well, I didn't physically have to cut it in half, which is great. But it came to us. But it's huge, dude. I mean, you could. It's a swimming pool. You'll have to go to my Instagram and, and uh, check it out. It's really cool. I mean, okay. you, you just scroll through my feed, or you can go on my highlights, and you'll see a alligator emoji and a construction sign. You can click through it, and you can see highlights of it. But yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. you can't miss it, dude. It's like a picture of me. I'm like this big, and the opposite end, and the pool is just massive. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, definitely check it out. Yeah, we're lucky though regarding heating, like the heating in the water, just because we yeah. have naturally heated water on our property. It's geothermal, so it comes out hot. Oh, so that's how we're beautiful. able to have them, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I just, yeah, have to bend over with the, the electricity companies here. <laughs> <laughs> Is it pretty cold? I guess you are pretty southern down there. I didn't even realize how southern Melbourne was. I guess it should. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what it is in a second. Um, 11 degrees at the moment. 11 degrees? Oh, Celsius. 11 degrees Celsius. Okay. All right. So that's 51.8 Fahrenheit. Wow. So it's a little chill there right now. It is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I got a nice thick, thick jacket on. Oh my gosh. Okay. And when, how warm does it get in the summertime? Because I guess we're opposite. So my winter would be your summer, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, around January, February, we can get up sort of um, 35 Celsius, 95 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, that's not bad. Good luck, man, on the new enclosures and the crocodile stuff. I mean, this was, it was so cool talking to you because not many people do what we do. I mean, I don't interview a lot of people who do what you do or what I do. So it's really awesome talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, really enjoyed it. And yeah, thanks for, for reaching out. Yeah. And connecting. And do you have any advice, last minute advice for young listeners all around the world who maybe want to start an educational outreach company like you did? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's just important to, if you're interested in wildlife and have that interest, yeah, share that passion because people, you know, as you'd know, every time you're out in front of an audience, they see how passionate you are. And they come up and they say, Josh, you're just so passionate about animals and you love what you do and you've got the best job in the world and da-da-da. So if you that's what you love, you know, just do it. Um, you know, turn it into a job um, because it's great to, you know, do your passion for work. Um, and, yeah, I, that, that would be my advice is just, mm-hmm. yeah, try and get in front of as many people as you can and don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Not, knock the doors down and yeah that's great man Um, that's awesome and where can people find you your website can they also find you on instagram or facebook yeah so on instagram you can either search reptile encounters or uh, my page is your reptile guy okay Um, and yeah we've got reptile encounters on facebook as well Uh, and as you mentioned we have the website which is reptileencounters.com.au Awesome. I'll put those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Josh. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Nice talking to you. Yeah, nice talking to you. All right, dude. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.